Hi, and welcome to another edition of the ACC Now podcast. I will be hosting today. I am CL Brown with the Raleigh News and Observer. And we have a special edition for you planned today. We're going to dive into this world of NIL collectives. I will be talking with Shaquille Rashad from Carolina's Heels for Life Collective. And later on in the podcast, we will have the News and Observer's Jonas Pope speaking with Scott Wood on the Wolf, the NC State's uh, collective. But first, we're going to start with Shaquille. Um, what's going on, man? How, how, how's everything going at Hills for Life right now? It's going well. It's going well. I mean, I, I think that just like everyone else is keeping track of this, um, we're just keeping an eye on everything, uh, trying to make sure that we're up to date on any new rules, regulations, guidelines that come out, making sure we do things the right way. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's about supporting those student athletes. And so that's been a lot of fun. It's something close to my heart personally. I think because I uh, played and coached college football, and it's meant a ton to me having a brother that played and a bunch of friends that played it too. Um, and I think it's close to everyone else that's involved on the Heels for Life side because everyone's been supportive of, of UNC and I think has um, seen what NIL could do for some of the student athletes that are coming through that program that people have loved and supported for so long. To sort of have the opportunity to kind of help coordinate and facilitate a lot of this is, has been a ton of fun. Um, and it's also been really intrinsically uh, valuable as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, first, for our listeners who aren't, aren't very familiar with what exactly a collective is, and, and name is an image and likeness, NIL, to me, it has people kind of think of it on different ways because there are many different ways that the athletes can take advantage of it. But uh, just to explain to, to our listeners, a collective is independently operated, correct? You are not technically affiliated with the University of North Carolina. Like the, the athletic department does not, you know, doesn't have any power over you guys. And you guys don't consult with them in terms of, uh, you know, you don't ask permission from from the athletic department in terms of what deals to do. Is that correct? Um, I would, yeah, permission is definitely not the word. Um, like it's a lot like you said, we cannot be affiliated with the university, but in the same sense that, um, let's say the News and Observer, right, wanted to have a student athlete promote uh, something you guys have coming up soon. Um, what you could do is ask compliance, hey, is this legal? And so it's not consulting on or things like that, but it is asking, we will communicate with compliance on things like, hey, is this allowed? Hey, are we following the rules here? And they would do the same thing for any third-party company. So to your point, yes, we are 100% independent of the university, 100% not affiliated with it as an official partner or anything. But when it comes to making sure the student-athletes stay eligible, obviously compliance is a, a really important part in that. And so uh, they are our main point of contact for all of that, but again, not a part of the university. Exactly. So do you view what you guys do as, as a clearinghouse of sorts? Like you create these NIL opportunities for the student athletes? Yeah, I think that's a phenomenal way to think about it. I don't think that I've ever put those words to it myself, but I think that when you mention it that way, it does make sense, right? Like the idea was um, you we wanted to see UNC do well in NIL, and I want to see him do well in NIL because when I was in that locker room, I saw student athletes, and this is not to get into a, a 30-minute debate on, on the, the morality of, of anything in college athletics, but, but it did feel funky to me at times how some student athletes that were, you know, making all this money for, for a university and all this money for a network and all this money for a city even, you know, 
you start to look at what college athletics do for some cities around the country. Um, and then sometimes you would see them coming from families that were struggling to come see them play. Um, you would see those tweets coming out on March Madness where players used to talk about and in defense of the NCAA and everything, I will say those rules did change. But when I first got to college, there were rules around what time you could eat meals and what could be involved in meals and what made it a meal versus a snack. And, and you would see these student athletes that were doing so much for their communities um, really struggling in some cases. And so NIL, I thought, was an opportunity to fix that. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's been really, really interesting and sort of be a part of that fun. And yeah, to, to help create more opportunities to make that better is, is awesome. And if clearing house is what we want to call it, then great. Yeah. So uh, you you alluded to your playing career. Um, there there are a lot of former football players involved with Hills for Life, uh, including Beams May and, and your former teammate, Marquise Williams. How important was it to kind of loop, uh, you know, for those guys to, to be looped into this to, to kind of establish the foundation for it? Yeah. So one thing we wanted to do from the very beginning was make sure we, we got to hear from former players. Um, Obviously, you know, Deems and I both played, but we played, you know, decades apart. Um, we weren't teammates, but it was really important to be able to hear from Deems and hear from, hear from Shopper and Merlady and all these guys from different eras about, hey, how would you have wanted to see this happen? Because it is brand new, right? And no one had the right answer for it, the perfect answer for it. So we wanted to make sure we had people involved that could kind of speak to things and put their voice into it. And also, when you have more people involved in life like that, it's those people are spread out geographically, too, you know? And so now they can say, hey, oh, my gosh, you know? I'm in X city. I know a bunch of college fans out here that would want um, for their local business to work with some student athletes. And so it's been really cool to keep those guys involved. And I think it's helped us as former players get back in touch too, um, which has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. So how exactly or where or when exactly was Hills for Life created? And just to be clear, and I don't, don't think I said this earlier, but this is specifically to benefit the football program, correct? I think in theory, kind of when you look at it, it would say that, but I think, and it kind of loosened all this, right? We are only working with football right now, but I, that, there's a lot that went into that, and it kind of comes out this answer I'll give you about when it was created, too. Heels for Life is operating a little bit differently than a lot of these other groups out there. Um, it's privately funded. We have a board of directors that is privately funding this out of pocket. Um, that's salary. It's operations for our website. It's, hey, we want to get some hats from the new members. The, the, the board of directors buy this hat and all of that is done um so that when someone comes in and says hey i'll be a member of heels for life at a hundred dollars a month well you can be sure that every dollar that you have is going in heels for life is coming right back out and going in the ni opportunities for athletes and so that's that's not to say there's anything wrong with um other groups that have turned it into a business or anything because right people are spending a lot of time on this and so it just like any business they deserve to be compensated for it but we wanted to make sure that it was something that was built specifically for the athletes, right? And so um, 100% of what comes into it goes back out to the student-athletes and NIL opportunities. But because it was privately funded out of pocket, it was tough to staff it to be able to, to work with an entire athletic department, you know? Um, and then also, the other thing was that the board of directors didn't say, hey, football is the only sport that matters. Obviously, everyone wants to see every sport succeed, especially in a community like Chapel Hill, where everyone loves on each other so much. Um, but you can say, hey, when football's winning games and butts are in seats, everyone's winning in town, right? That's great for the department and great for everyone. And so as cheesy as it sounds, and I hate making this joke, we wanted to tackle football first, but that doesn't mean it has to end there. Um, I would love to see a day where all the sports are being able to be supported by it, but it, it does take some time to get to there. 
Right, right. Pardon the pun on that one. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so it, there, there's so much out there right now in terms of, of rogue boosters or rogue NILs that are just kind of, uh, you know, breaking the spirit, if you will, of the rule or, or the spirit of what NIL was established to do. And it, it wasn't to, you know, to be about pay for play and it wasn't about recruiting inducements, at least it's not supposed to be. What safeguards do you guys have in place to try and, and, you know, make sure you don't drift into that gray area where you are either, you know, breaking the rule or, or, you know, kind of just skirting what this is supposed to be. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, we just want to, we, the lucky thing for us is that we don't have to make our own policy. Right. Uh, we work specifically with UNC football right now. Um, and so what we do is we go speak to compliance say, Hey, what are your rules and guidelines? And then we look at governor Cooper and say, okay, what was, what does the executive order say? And we just follow those rules. We play by those rules. And I think that the, the university itself and compliance did an awesome job very early on of putting in strict rules. And then they have great guidelines around the way they want to see this go. And so most recently, when you saw that stuff come out from the, uh, from the NCAA, we looked at it and go, okay, great. We're still in a good spot. You know, UNC had a great policy in place. And so our internal policy is just to follow UNC's policy that they have. And that's kept us in a great shape so far. Yeah, I, I think it's – well, let me ask this question first. So how do you guys compete with, you know, basically the way this is, every state just about can have different – you know, different laws on their books on how the NIL can be executed. For instance, Tennessee, from my understanding, from what I read, the state of Tennessee basically took it off the books to where a, or, or has it established to where a booster could contact a recruit directly. That's not against the law there. You know what I'm saying? Even though right. in the NCAA sense, you're not supposed to do that. But um uh, how do you compete against that? You know what I mean? How could you compete against uh, a, a school or NIL collective that is kind of, you know, going straight for the recruiting inducement angle or the, or the essentially the pay for play? You come here, you'll get this, which, you know, technically is not supposed to be how this works. How do you how do you compete against that? I think competes are really, really, that's never a word that comes to mind when I think about all this. Cause when I think about it, what I'm thinking about is how are we supporting the student athletes that are currently on the football team at the university of North Carolina. Right. And so when I think of that, like you said, every state's different, every school is different. Um, and so with that, you just have to, and this goes back to those plan days you mentioned control. You can control it, right? I'm not a lobbyist in a different state. I'm not. So what I want to do is just say, Hey, we came here with a mission. And that mission was to, help support the student athletes on this team and help engage the community. And so every day we, we get up and we do that. And I think we're in a good spot. Of course, I'm looking at what's happening in other places and we're looking at things that are happening in other places to be able to just say, Hey, you know, is this a good idea? Is it not? Um, and, and from there, that's where those conversations with compliance come into play. But the second is something that that's not legal for us here. It's off the table and we just move on to the next thing. Um, and who knows, maybe someday there'll be, more clarity around these things on a, on a national scale, but who knows, um, you know, um, until then we'll just do what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, kind of the, the thought was that the market, the quote unquote market would drive the, the uh, money that's involved with, with NIL. But my question has always been, 
you know, who who determines what is a fair market value, right? That's that's really just in the eye of the beholder um, as to how much they want to pay for something. So I, I was curious from your perspective, like what kind of monetary goals do you guys set? Or, or is it is it like a fundraising arm where you just try and, you know, get as many members contributing as you can and then divvy money out that way? Or, um, you know, or is it much more basic than that? Like, you know, it's much more grounded in a grassroots effort just to, to kind of get what you can to help, you know, help the uh, players that are involved. Yeah, I think that it's it's kind of a mix of a lot of things, right? Like the goal, of course, is to have something like I would, I think everyone in the country would say this, right? They would love to see a day where every player on the team is being able to benefit. Um, and, you, you know, of course, you, you can't be there on day one. So the goal is to build to that point that every player can get a bunch of deals. And the, the cool thing about us is that we don't, because it's privately funded and because we're not taking a, a cut of any of the deals and because we're not asked for percentage or anything, we are strictly additive, right? And so um, let's just say that we ourselves are creating opportunities, yes, but if I'm walking down the road and I run into Pete, who happens to own a, um, a hardware store, and Pete says, hey, I want to get involved with some student athletes, we're not going to sit here and say, hey, Pete, okay, here's how you work with deals for life, and then you do this with this person. We will flat out get that person connected with the athlete. And so it's tough to put the kind of goals and everything that you're saying in front of us in that way because we don't care and need for it all to run through us. We just want to help facilitate and make sure it makes it to the student athletes at the end of the day, if that makes sense. Yeah. Now, do do the players have to opt into anything? Like, like for instance, I, I, on your website, the athletes, athletes directory, there are seven guys listed who have, you know, you can click on their picture or whatever, and it goes to specific gear that you can order like like for instance uh storm duck the defensive back you know having having t-shirts that are you know basically personal storm ducks kind of t-shirts um does a player have to opt in for you guys to to be able to do that or are there there's seven guys because these are the guys who actually have already established kind of their clothing and and that sort of thing yeah, definitely the latter there, um, but kind of a mix of, of the prior as well. So, or the former, whatever the saying is in that. Um, so what happens is, again, and you kind of spoke about it a little bit earlier, how everyone's different. We are kind of different again in all of that. And, and so we don't go out and say, hey, we're going to buy your rights or anything like that, which who knows, it may be how some people are doing it. What we're doing is, again, and I hate to come back to a strictly additive, right? And so um, Storm Duck was already selling those T-shirts somewhere else. And I shot Storm a text. I said, hey, dude, I, I saw that you're, you're selling T-shirts on, I think he's on Playmaker's website. Hey, do, you, do you mind if we link it through our website? We just want to make sure that fans that come to heelslive.org can see where to buy your T-shirts from. And so we put that link up there, and he's got his T-shirts up and running there. And so that's not something – yes, he opted into it in the sense that we would never put it up there if a player said no. But there is nothing that we're taking from them to put it up there. Um, we are strictly advertising for his line of clothing, basically, at that point, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So the way that this is going now, it, it feels like NIL is, is like, ever-evolving. Like, something between now and the start of football season in the fall, I feel like something else could come out that changes how you operate. 
how, how do you guys kind of prepare for those changes in advance? Like, is there any one area you're looking at now, like, you know, that you think may open up or, or any area that you feel like is being underserved that you guys want to kind of get ahead of? Yeah, I think to prepare for it, really, you just have to stay nimble and try to stay educated. Um, there's a lot of great people out there that are putting a lot of just information out about what's happening, you know, um, state bills that are being proposed, um, conversations that are happening. You're seeing interviews. You're hearing from really, really um, like the ADs that people look to around the country. And so that starts to give you kind of a feel for it. But other than that, I think you just kind of have to know that it's going to continue to change. Like it's and it's, <laughs> I kind of chuckled, I don't know if you hear it at all, but I kind of laughed when they said when you said it, it could change between now and the start of football season. I think it'll change between now and 10 o'clock tonight. Um, I don't think that this will be something that we see sit still for, for quite a while now. Um, before I came to Heels for Life, I was actually working at one of the companies that works with a lot of the universities um, in NIL. And I got to speak with a lot of ADs just on a daily basis, hearing from different people. And the one thing that they could all agree on was that what we saw July 1 of 2021 would not be what we were going to see July 1 of 2022, would not be what we were going to see July 1 of 2023, right? I think this continues to iterate. And so just knowing that, I think it's important to continue to, to read the things that are coming out, the D1 tickers, the business of college sports, listening to those podcasts on a daily basis, hearing about what's going on, but not getting too inundated with it, right? If you try to take in all the information out there, you do nothing but read at your laptop all day long. Um, so just staying up on information, but also saying, hey, what can we do with what the rules are now? Um, and I think that you'll always be safe and in a good spot if you can just approach it that way. Yeah. Now, how much, you know, when you're keeping up with what's going on nationally, is there anything or, or any other school out there that you've seen their collectives that, that you guys have tried to incorporate some of what they're doing into, into what you want to do? Uh, I think a lot of them. Um, Every time one of these collectives pops up, I, I, we're going to the website and looking at it and saying, oh, that's a really, really cool idea. And I, I feel totally fine saying that because I've spoken with a lot of those people and I know they're doing the same thing. Um, and so there's a lot of great people out there with a lot of great ideas right now. And so it's just like football and every other sport. It's a copycat league. And I don't think that's, that's stuck with just sports, right? I think every industry is like that. You see something that works and you go try to do your own version of it. So, yeah, we do a lot of that. I think it's tough to point to one, especially now where there's, what, 67, 68 uh, groups out there right now. I don't think there's anything unique that just one is doing, but there's a lot of people doing some really cool things and helping out student athletes in a big way. Yeah, yeah. The, the flip side of that is, is <laughs> without naming names, uh, are, are there schools that you've looked at uh, or collectives that you've looked at like, okay, we can't do this. Like, <laughs> like this isn't the way to operate. Yeah, I, I think that, of, of course, there are, but I don't, I don't think that uh, when I say it, I, I don't say that from a point of, oh, and, like, you know, we said earlier, everything's different state to state, school to school. And so what may be perfectly fine for them is not okay for us. And that's not a knock on them or anything at all. So I don't look at other people and try to, you know, shame them or anything. We're just going to focus on doing what we can do and doing it the right way. Yeah, yeah. And uh, lastly, I'll leave it at this. Um, it's kind of been said the, the, the term Wild West has been thrown around from from some coaches I've talked to, you know, uh, when, when describing just the NIL and, and collectives and not just collectives, just the, the NIL in its totality. Um, what is it like 
for you so far? What has it been like to kind of operate in this space where, as we've said, like the, the rules are kind of fluid and changing right now and everybody isn't necessarily operating on the same you know, from the same level. Like, I feel like there's, <laughs> from state to state, there's just kind of different ways of going about this. Yeah, I, I think personally, it's been incredibly rewarding. <laughs> like the, the, the days that you get to, one of the big things we do is we'll have a podcast. It's through Inside Carolina and Heels for Life members get extra content that is exclusively for them. But anyone that wants to, you can go to Inside Carolina, hear podcasts and get to know student athletes. We talked about Storm Duck earlier, so I'll tell you why this is really rewarding to me. I knew Storm when he was getting recruited. Um, I had just graduated not too long before that. And so I thought I'd kind of known the guy a little bit. We go through a 40, 45 minute podcast with him. And at one point we're talking about NIL. We ask him, hey, why are you excited about NIL? You know, I as a former player, I think I know what you're going to say, but and I'm thinking, you know, it means I can get some free cheeseburgers because that's what I would have been thinking when I was in college. <laughs> Storm said because he could take some of the money he was earning and give it back to ministries back home in Boiling Springs, South Carolina. And that's the kind of stuff that I can look at. And I, I find it tough to believe sometimes, like, how bad everyone wants to make an aisle to be when there's, there's guys out there doing stuff like that. Like, I think there's so much positive um, in there for the student athletes. And so that story is one isolated one. There's a lot just like it. And so I think it's been incredibly rewarding. I think just like everything else in the world, of course, there's pieces of it to figure out. But as long as there's stories like that coming out of it, I'll be pumped about it. No doubt. No doubt. Well, uh, I appreciate you joining us today, Shaquille. Um, good luck with your, your continued involvement in this. And the next voices that you will hear on the podcast will be from NNO reporter Jonas Pope speaking with Scott Wood of NC State. I'm Jonas Pope IV, NC State beat writer for the Raleigh News and Observer. This week we have Mr. Scott Wood, former NC State basketball player, and now uh, serving in a different role as the executive director of the Pack of Wolves Collective um, with NC State. Scott, thank you for taking a few moments and chatting with me today, man. How you doing? Jonas, I, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man, for sure, for sure. Um, again, <laughs> with so many different moving parts and, and so many new things going on with college athletics, a couple last week, a couple weeks ago, uh, the Pack of Wolves Collective was started Um with yourself as the executive director, some other NC State alums. So I guess we'll jump right in as people have so many questions about it. Where, where did the idea come from? Who kind of facilitated the start of the Pack of Wolves? Did, did someone take the lead from just amongst alum or did someone come to you guys and say, hey, we need some help uh, with these athletes here at, at NC State? <laughs> so that's a that's a really good question. I think it, you know, it's 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 a little bit of a group effort, but I think everybody kind of had their own, you know, okay, this needs to happen moment. Um, mm. And for me, you know, me and Mike Glennon were just having a conversation. Mike had sent me something from, I think it was Texas A&M's collective uh, and a couple others saying, you know, why hasn't NC State started to do anything like this? Yeah. Um, and then for a couple others, I know Hayes, Lancaster, and Jared Disbrod leave. Uh, they went to uh, Notre Dame. They saw the facilities. They saw all the things that they were doing with the athletes. And I think that was kind of their moment where they're like, okay, why, why aren't we doing something like this? So, I mean, long story short, you know, it's, it's a group of almost, you know, 15 guys got in a meeting one day, um, having a conversation with compliance and a few other people in there about, you know, what can we do and how can we get this started? And ultimately out of that conversation, you know, we got a good group 
uh, we've kind of, you know, everybody's still involved, but, you know, obviously with everybody kind of having their own job that it's, it's been in limited capacity, but, you know, we got a good group of probably about five that have really kind of taken this thing on. Uh, you know, Hayes Lancaster says it's drinking from a fire hose. And I, I think that's a, a good analogy. Uh, so we're just trying to get this thing up and running, which we did uh, not this Monday, but last Monday. Uh, we've had really good response. And now it's just kind of getting the word out about the pack of wolves, what we're trying to do and how we can help the student athletes. How long did it go from the idea between, you know, you and Mike having a conversation until the launch? What, what was that time frame? <laughs> so it was roughly about eight weeks. So it's, it's, it's all kind of happened pretty quick. And we've had, you know, a real sense of urgency kind of pushing us and nudging us along the way because a lot of collectives have come out since then. And obviously from a recruiting standpoint, uh, you know, coaches and, and the athletic department understand that they need something in place for it to be able to be, you know, recruit some of these kids because a lot of these recruits, you know, one of the first questions they have is, you know, what, what can I do from an NIL standpoint? So, you know, we've, we've kind of looked at other collectives throughout, you know, the nation. We've been able to see what we like and what we don't like kind of implement that in what we're trying to do. So I know that, you know, we're not the first collective by any means, but the nice part with what we're trying to do and the people that are involved we know that, you know, this is going to be done the right way and we'll be able to, you know, make this thing have sustainability, which a lot of these collectives, I fear, you know, they're just kind of throwing ideas to the wall and hoping it sticks and they don't really have, you know, a plan. So that's one of the nice things about us not being necessarily the first one is that we've been able to really, you know, look at collectives from all over the nation. We've been able to find out what can make us unique and what can make us a little bit better than some of the other ones. That's, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about it from that standpoint. So when you did your research and you look at some across the nation, what are like a couple of things that you saw? Okay, that could work for us. Or, and what are some things like, well, that's not really how we want to do it. And you don't have to name any schools, obviously, but what was your, yeah. your checklist of what worked and what worked didn't work? Well, well, I think the, the main one that kind of everybody will understand is we don't have a, a billionaire just given a ton of money to the university you know we don't have that luxury i mean it'd be great if someone just wanted to drop five million dollars in the pot and say here you go play with it but we don't have that you know there's there's a lot of these schools that have those type of people just donating big money so one of the things that we really needed to do was have an understanding that we're strength in numbers we need we're going to need a lot of people involved even the people that you know can give 25 dollars a month that's if we can get you know 1500 of them 2000 that makes a big difference so one of the first things that we realized fairly quickly is for us to be able to compete, we got to find a way to make our collective a little bit more unique because we may not have the backing of those million dollar guys. So one of the things that we're really trying to do is we're really trying to help the student athletes. You know, we're, we want to unique ways to, you know, pair them up with local businessmen that are, that are like-minded men and women that, you know, have graduated from NC state and want to help these student athletes try to give them the tools to set them up for the future. You know, not everybody's going to be a professional athlete. So trying to, to give them those tools and, and almost mentor them in a way to help them become better people and send them off uh, into the real world one day. You mentioned earlier that when in the, during, the, during the ground run of this thing, you guys met with compliance. Um, what was that meeting like? And how often you guys in communication with, like, officials from the university? Is, is Booth supportive? Um, do you guys talk to anybody in the, in the athletics department other than Boo? 
other than compliance, what's that relationship like um, with the university, the compliance department, athletics department, and the collective? Yeah, so their hands are tied a little bit because of the executive uh, order for the state of North Carolina, which essentially, I mean, anybody can kind of take it because it's kind of gray. Anybody can take it how they want. And the fact that they just cannot participate in the deals for the actual kids. So they cannot say, hey, here's X amount of money to come to NC State. That, that is the one thing that the athletic department cannot do. Um, but they can, you know, they can show support. You know, they can like a social media post. They can retweet. But there also has to be kind of that understanding that, you know, we, we almost have to work hand in hand in a way because there's a lot of things that, you know, when the NCAA comes out, you know, Miss Carey, who, who runs the compliance department over there, that she'll have a full understanding of what, what is really happening. So we got to have these meetings and have these discussions so that we make sure that one, we don't want to jeopardize anybody's, you know, scholarships. We don't want to get anybody in trouble. And two, you know, we don't want to step on the athletic department's toes by some things that we're doing. So, you know, we've been working hand in hand. They've been really good. Obviously they, 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 they got to be a little bit limited on what they can do, but they've been, they've been a big help so far for sure. I was looking at the at the website for the Pack of Wolves, and it has our athletes. It has you know eight to ten athletes up there um, already on the list. I just I'm just curious, how were those particular athletes selected, um, and will there be more NC State athlete athletes added on to you know our athletes for the Pack of Wolves collective? Now the the first ones that were kind of picked were what we call our ambassador program. So. Uh, there are these deals that are going to help us kind of raise awareness about NIL, help us raise awareness about the pack of wolves to try and start to get that word out there so that we can start to really build this, you know, the, the membership model, uh, people coming in and wanting to be involved with this thing. Um, but the plan is because it's been so new, you, you see the eight to 10, but the plan is, especially in the future, to really start to reach out to a lot of these student athletes and really get a lot more on board. Is, is there any um, are there any limitations with like how much contact you can have with with student athletes, uh, pack of wolves and athletes? Yep. So um, the, and this is one of the things that the NCAA has kind of come out with that they're going to start monitoring okay. uh, a little bit more that they that they have. So the the main thing that you can't do the big no no in the room is you cannot incentivize a transfer or a high school recruit to come to your university. So. Again, they, they have to be signed. They got to be on campus, which that, that is one thing that when we signed up for this, we wanted to make sure that we did it the right way and that we didn't get anybody in trouble. So that's one of the things that the NCAA has kind of come out and started to, to monitor a little bit more. But past that, it, I mean, it is, it's, it's very wild, wild west. It's almost free game. Um, and, and reaching out to these student athletes and seeing how we can help. And even if we don't, you know, don't do a deal with them. You know, it's just trying to make sure that some of the contracts that they're signing with other NIL deals and other companies that they're, you know, they look good, that they're not tying themselves into long-term deals that don't have an end date and just making sure that somebody's looking out for their best interest. How, how involved the pack of wolves with their families? I know, I know athletes can have agents now. Are, are they involved with these contracts and these conversations? Yeah. So we, we have, we have dealt with a few agents. Um, okay that, you know, go out there and kind of broker these deals for a lot of these athletes. Um, you know, it's, it, it's just the, the new way that it's going to be, you know, it's, they, they, the NCAA kind of has opened a can of worms, but at the same time, we, we kind of have to have the understanding that this is here and it's going to be here for a while. I don't see anybody making major changes. So that's one of the things that, you know, these 
these student athletes are going to start to get agents early on in the process that are going to, you know, take care of these deals, which isn't a good or bad thing because, you know, you have someone that has that experience that can look at these deals and make sure that they're done the right way so that it helps the student athlete the best way they can. So, you know, it's, it is a whole different way of going about it, but at the same time, you know, as long as these uh, agents are helping these student athletes, that's all that matters. You mentioned a couple of terms, uh, the wild, wild West and the NCAA and a pack of open up a pack of worms, things like that. With the, with the NCAA guidelines that came out uh, to make sure the NIL isn't used to recruit transfers or kids out of high school, um, does that concern you anyway? Or what are your thoughts when the guidelines came out and how you, how you guys prepared to, to move forward with that, with those guidelines? Yeah. So it doesn't concern us because even in the eight weeks we've done it, we, we haven't done anything like that. So that doesn't concern me at all. Uh, and that's one of the things too, we understand that this is going to be ever changing. I mean, the NCAA yeah. literally did not put any guidelines. Uh, one they came out with this last year or in January so one of the things that we're trying to do, too, is trying to make sure that this is set up for success, even if the NCAA comes out with little changes. So we're trying to protect ourselves. We're trying to protect the student athletes because it's going to change. Um, how much? I don't know. I don't think there'll be big changes, but we just want to make sure that the Pack of Wolves are put in a situation that, that protects the student athletes and the Pack of Wolves as a whole. Is it hard to prepare for what may be coming down the road? There's so much uncertainty with, with, with NCAA, NIL, the collectors. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it's hard in a way, but the one thing, the one thing I keep telling everybody, look, I, I would never put my name on something if, if we weren't going to do it the right way that were to my values and my morals and the way I've been raised and brought up. So the thing that, that, that makes me comfortable with all this, even though I know it's going to change a little bit, is that the people involved are good people. You know, they, they have an understanding that, it's about the student athlete. How can we help them the best way possible? You know, I, I've been on a bunch of podcasts and I keep telling everybody like, let's just take money away. The thing that everybody doesn't like about this, let's take money away. Let's, if you could get, you know, five businesswomen and send them across from a student athlete, do you think you could give them some tips, some tools that'll make them successful for the future? That's worth its weight in gold by itself. So, you know, there's, there's so many ways we can do stuff to help them. And I just want to make sure that obviously that it's done the right way. Um, and the second thing is that we're looking out for the best interest of that student athlete. As a former athlete yourself, wasn't that long ago you were playing at PNC, you were wearing the red and white for NC state. What, what are your thoughts on not only NIL and, and where we are now, but the entire landscape of college athletics where these athletes can, you know, make some money of the name and would you like this and, and get some money in their pockets? Yeah. So I wasn't, when it first came out, I was not a big fan of it. Um, just because I played eight years professional basketball. And as soon as I started making a check, um, I did, I did lose a little bit of passion for, for the game, you know, I, uh, and, and I just look back to my college days and I, I mean, I was going to war with, with all my brothers. I mean, Lorenzo Brown, Richard Howe, you know, it wasn't about money. It wasn't about anything else. It was just trying to win games. So uh, I, I did, I, I really, really was not a big fan. Um, but then I also started to, you know, get whispers of some really bad deals that were going to some of these kids and they weren't even contracts. They were loans. You know, that, that's, that's what kind of raised some red flags to me. So I started to kind of figure out how, you know, I can help, how, you know, we can look out for the student athlete and how we can make this thing better. And one of the first things that kind of came to mind was when I graduate, 
when I graduated, when I finished basketball, you know, my resume said basketball. There wasn't, there wasn't anything on my resume. That was really scary for me. My wife went through it. She played softball. Um, and every student athlete's going to have it. So now with NIL, you can have a lunch with a businessman or woman. You can have these connections early on so that it's, you know, when I was playing, that was frowned upon. Now it's, it's available. So now we can kind of create those connections a little bit more early on to really take care of them. So, you know, obviously the money is always going to be there and it's always going to be a part of it. But again, there's so many unique ways and unique opportunities to help these kids that we haven't been able to do in the past. Um, what's your vision for this long term? And do you think with NIL and everything that's coming, how is this going to be sustained? Not only at Pack of Wolves, but just all across the landscape moving forward. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that we're obviously trying to figure out is we need to make this sustainable. I mean, you can't keep reaching out to the same people that donate big amounts of money to the university every year and expect that this thing is going to be possible. So it's trying to find those other revenue streams. Uh, and then it's also, you know, having that understanding that, uh, again, even if the money isn't there, we, we can help each one of these student athletes. You know, one of the things that we've tossed around is Oklahoma State has a brand squad. So it's a curriculum uh, that's in their business school that basically teaches uh, regular students and student athletes how to create a brand. So bringing something in that like, like that to NC State, so now we can pair a student and a student athlete up and, you know, let's use a Breon Pass, for example, that student student athlete can go back to Reedsville and they can go target, you know, the Dairy Queen. They can target a local car dealer. They can create a website. They can create a logo. Uh, and they've all been taught that. So that's one of the things we're trying to do as well so that, you know, we can start to pair them up because it is going to be hard to get to every student athlete, but there's also a way to do it. And we think that this could be a really good way to do that in the future. So there is there's just there's just a lot of it a lot of ideas to this thing and we're just trying to make sure that you know whatever we come up with you know obviously it's got to be sustainable and two it's got to be in the best interest of the student athlete good stuff man. scott man i appreciate you again taking the time executive director of the pack of wolves uh collector scott will former nc state basketball player this has been another episode of the nno pod acc now podcast i'm your host jones book the fourth signing off <laughs>